0: Hello and welcome to episode 98 of the Medical Device Success Podcast and Videocast. I am Ted Newell, your host. 2023 is right around the corner. Let's break that habit of last minute planning for shows and events. To help us start planning for 2023, Lauren and Kimberly are back for part two of this two-part series on trade shows and events. Lauren Dustman is Senior Manager, Global Events at Hyperfine, and Kimberly Stancell is a Meeting, Trade Show, and Event Strategy Consultant. In this episode, we cover the phases of planning, forecasts for attendance in 2023, where trade shows are in the marketing mix, site visits, trade show technologies, and what doesn't work. This is another episode that is fun and full of good advice. A quick bit of housekeeping. First, in the show notes, you will see a link to a podcast survey. Please, please take the survey. It will help me provide a better podcast for you. And of course, the most important questions are at the end of the survey. Thank you in advance for helping me out. Second, as I mentioned in the last episode, I've accepted a sponsor for several episodes. So you will hear a couple of ads in my voice during these episodes. They are short, to the point, and of value for many listeners. Our sponsor is Biomed Device Boston and Biomed Device Silicon Valley. On behalf of my sponsor, let me ask, are you up to date? Up to date on all the medical technologies that could affect your career and your business. Supply chain, new materials, wearables. Robotics, Cybersecurity, OEM Technologies, Digital Health and Artificial Intelligence, and of course, Startup Guidance. Think about it. You have been cooped up for two years due to the pandemic. What can you do? Consider attending Biomed Device Boston, taking place September 28th and 29th. It is a great place to network and learn from subject matter experts. Use the promo code MDS22 for a free expo pass at BiomedBoston.com. Again, that's capital M, capital D, capital S, 22 at BiomedBoston.com. As usual, check the show notes for links to Lauren and Kimberly, the survey, and Biomed Device Boston. And if you like this podcast, share it with a colleague via the share link on your podcast player of choice. Let's get together again with Lauren and Kimberly to help you optimize your 2023 trade shows and events. So Lauren and Kimberly, welcome to the Medical Device Success Podcast again. This is sort of our part two on trade shows, because today we're looking at 2023. The last episode we just did, we were looking at 2022, how to optimize it, but we're into 2023 right now. So welcome both of you back. Thanks so much for being here.
1: Thank you, Ted. Really excited for part two. And again, I will just reiterate that the views that I expressed during this podcast are mine alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of Hyperfine as a corporation.
0: Very good.
2: Thank you, Ted, for the opportunity. And again, I'm looking forward to part two being just as robust as part one. So thank you.
0: And for those people that didn't listen to part one, shame on you. If you didn't, you'll have to go back and listen to it. (laughs) But um, I'm going to just ask uh, you both to uh, introduce yourselves briefly and what you do. So, Kimberly, I'll, I'll let you go first this time.
2: Okay. I'm Kimberly Stansell, and I am a meetings and events strategist and consultant, and I partner with organizations and companies in the healthcare, life sciences, and biodevices sectors.
0: Excellent. And one note to say is one of your people you partner with is the Bixel Medical Marketing Group, which we all have a lot of respect for. And I think that Lauren spent some time with them. So Lauren, your turn.
1: My name is Lauren Dustman and I am the senior manager of global events at Hyperfine. So I manage on a global scale, their commercial trade shows, webinars, um, and then in North America and Canada, their mobile roadshow.
0: Mobile roadshow, which we talked about last time. Very, very good ladies. Okay. So we're talking about 2023, and the reason that we're we're having this particular section of the of the podcast of this episode is because my experience has been a lot of small and medium sized companies are not very good at planning their trade shows. So let's talk about getting ahead of the game, especially considering that we're sort of coming out of this post COVID phase. You know, in 2022, looking into 2023, what's how, what should we be doing? So I'm going to be asking you a lot of questions here. Um, You know, so from what you've seen in 2022, what's your gut feeling for trade shows in 2023? And and granted, we don't have an important data point, which is how the fall shows in 2022 go. But without that data point, what's your gut feeling for 2023 in terms of attendance, booth size, space, so on and so forth? Lauren, you go ahead. So for
1: 2023, I think, um, my gut is is that there is going to be an emphasis on on some of the regional programs i think that companies are going to be thinking very um very hard you know especially the smaller and mid-sized companies are going to be thinking very hard about the size of booth that they have at these future programs in 2023 and i do know that you know both associations and industry are working hard to get back to some semblance of normal with trade shows, Um, you know, that we're partnering, that we're trying to be creative and think about how we can make it work. Um, But I think as we had said in the last podcast is that they'll never be back like it was 100% before COVID. So, um, you know, gut feelings, I think, are based on what we know previously. And maybe we don't quite have an understanding of where the future is all we can do is kind of adapt. And I think especially it's going to be very important for the smaller to mid-sized companies just to sit down now and strategize about 2023 uh, because none of us know, you know, what the future holds. So um, that's it. All I got for 2023. Kimberly. I think that the
2: attendance will continue to increase um, as long as people feel safe and comfortable. Uh, meeting in person and engaging in that way. I think that organizations will continue to scrutinize um, what the return on investment will be for a particular show. Uh, I think that there will be growth with regional and local shows. I think that those are going to evolve and become even more attractive options for organizations. So Again, we don't know. Uh, everything is still fluid. But based on the trends that we're seeing, um, I think that you know, the attendance will still grow and increase. And a lot of it will have to do with health and safety and the return on investment and more emphasis on local and regional shows.
0: Yeah, and I, I think a, a couple of comments I'd have, and you guys can decide if you want to agree with me or not. But one thing is that companies did learn in 21, 2021 and 2022 that there were other ways to engage uh, prospects and customers than just the typical trade show route. Is, would I be correct in that? Yeah,
1: d- definitely. You know, I think we all adapted, um, you know, when it came to trying to be creative during the pandemic and we've taken those learnings and now applied them forward to, to, to show that we have options like webinars, um, virtual, events, which again, we just need to be creative with how we how we manage those, um, but uh, bringing our product to the customer and then thinking about educational opportunities with our KOLs rather than kind of traditional advertising sponsorships.
0: And when you're talking about bringing the product to the customer, you're talking about your roadshow program where you put your product into box trucks and you have them going all over the place.
1: Right, right. Yes, we okay. have you know those trucks that go all over the country and into Canada too, and we we've kind of gotten our the way that we manage those down to a fine science with um, you know who we want to have involved from our side promotion and the fr- uh, upfront flyers uh, checklists. You know it's you know, it has a whole life of its own now, um, and it's it's a really we've had really really positive feedback about that program.
0: Kimberly, your thoughts.
2: I think that organizations will also look at if in the past, they've always done a booth or a display. Maybe there's another way that they can engage at that conference at that event in a different way um, that will help them connect with the audience that they want to be connected with um, that they can get some um, video footage data that they can repurpose for later. So it's, it's kind of uh, it's um, more of just expanding how you look at each opportunity. Like, do we really want to do a booth this year? Are there other opportunities that can be just as effective, if not more effective, and us being able to tell our story? Can we get uh, some, uh, will we be able to repurpose um content and data from another type of opportunity. So I, I think that that's something that small and medium-sized companies might begin to move in that direction in
0: 2023. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Uh, a client of mine did a lunch and learn at a meeting. So they had this mm-hmm. They had this panel of, I think it was six um, leading people in this particular specialty. And they have repurposed that three or four different ways, they, the video they've yeah. taken of it. It's really terrific what they've done. And the other thing that we talked about in the last podcast that I think will still apply to uh, 2023, 2023 is some of this friction of travel. And um, that is, you know, there could be flight cancellations, uh, the hotels that are understaffed, restaurants that are understaffed. Um, so you just have to keep that stuff in mind when you think about staffing your exhibit and um, and traveling and, and, and manning up for it. But um, I think, I agree with you, um, Kimberly. I think that it'll keep going up. You know, maybe in twenty twenty three, the first part of twenty twenty three will be back to seventy five percent of trade show attendance. It, people do like to see each other. It is really, yeah. it is really fun to be back networking again and being at the trade show. Um, so, um, okay. Is, so that-
1: there is nothing that can replace the human to human contact and networking yep. that trade shows offer. That's the truth. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I agree a hundred percent. You know, we're sort of segueing into this, but strategically looking at trade shows and events in twenty twenty three, is, is there a different um, mix to consider? Like smaller exhibits at major shows, use save money on other types of events, maybe more small specialty show attendance. What are, what might the mix change be? from the tradition, the traditional way people did it in the past.
1: So I think something to be mindful of and kind of what we had hinted at last week was to sit down now and establish your show list for next year with your key internal stakeholders. And also understand that just because you've always gone to a show doesn't mean that you always need to continue to go to a show. So this is where the ROI, the analytics, the being very strategic about when where who and you know why for next year is going to be really important. So, I would say, you know, make sure that you have cross-functional buy-in when it comes to your trade show plan for next year. Uh make sure that you're being very communicative about the reality of the cost of drayage, material handling, shipping when we're thinking about next year. And then take, you know, go out and learn and take these best practices and put that into, into place next year. So, you know, again, my suggestion is just being mindful of your booth property, you know, thinking about how you can be creative and what you're utilizing to exhibit so that you're being very mindful of the cost associated. Um, I do know for some companies, it's it's kind of tough to go from a large booth down to a smaller one. So think about, you know, the optics around that. And if you don't want to reduce your booth size, think about, again, how you can be creative with your larger booth size. I think we had talked about utilizing the smaller booth footprint in the larger space and having seating areas or, you know, having different stations. And then also when you're thinking about getting in front of your target audience, um, look at all of the educational sponsorships, um, look at ways to have your KOLs interact with the audience. But then also look at, too, where where are you seeing traction this year? Are you seeing traction at the large national programs? Are you seeing traction in your webinars? Are you seeing traction in the hyperlocal regional programs? You know, and, and get that feedback from your colleagues, from your team internally. Talk to your colleagues at other companies and see what's working for them and bring that to your stakeholders this year. When you're planning next year, because I don't think that there really is a silver bullet as much as we all would love one that is the right way to do things. I, you know, I think that we're all learning, and that's why podcasts like these and in different forums are super important because we can take what the feedback is here and determine what's going to work best for our company and our strategy.
0: What say you, Kimberly?
1: Um,
2: uh, I
1: would recommend.
2: Meeting with the show's producers or operators from the show that just ended to get some behind-the-scenes intel from them. This is where relationships come into play. Um, If you've had a good working relationship with that planning team throughout the process, uh, they will be probably very open to having a meeting with with you, your co-planning team, or a key stakeholder, and find out like what really went on, what was you know, how, what was the outcome for company XYZ's lunch and learn? I've done that before to find out like how many people did they have? What, what was their marketing plan before? All that type of intel is very important. And then find out what are they going to do different next year um, and why? And then why are they repeating some of the same offerings again, because that type of intel also helps broaden your thinking and your approach when you're developing your strategy going forward. So I think that's an often overlooked resource mm-hmm. is actually having one-on-one conversations uh, meetings with the, the show's producers, the conference organizers, the operation people to find out some behind-the-scenes information that they're able to share with you.
0: Sure. And another thing to think about is uh, how does it reflect on your brand? Um, Like if you are a a smaller company that typically has a 10 or 20 foot booth and you're back in the Netherlands of a, uh, of a 200 or 300 exhibit show, and you're not there the next year, you know, it's like if a tree fell in the woods, would you hear it? You know, it's, (laughs) it's, well, well, will any, will anybody notice that you're gone And maybe the money you save there from being at that big show, you could be at three uh, smaller, very focused shows where more people recognize the fact that you were there and appreciate it. And, and you, and you actually get exhibitor time because they serve lunch right there, right by, right by your exhibit. You know, there, it all depends. Now if you're a big company and you have a, let's say a 40 by 40 you know, oh, if you no. disappeared, <laughs> if you disappeared for a year, it would shake up the industry. Everybody be talking about, it. Right. But, but but you could, but you could knock that down. Like we talked about in the last episode, you could knock that down to do a 30 by 30. Probably nobody would pay, pay attention to that. You'd probably get still a good position and, um, you'd save a bunch of money. You could spend elsewhere and get similar results. Mm-hmm. So there, there is a different mix to consider. And I think twenty twenty one and, and 2022 are proving that and it's the power of marketing there's a lot more technologies that we're using these days like we talked about in the last show using crm um yeah the last podcast i mean now you sort of hinted at this kimberly a minute ago but in a perfect world how long before a trade show should you start planning to get the most out of it
2: so i would say the last day or the last two days of the prior year, you're able to pick your booth.
0: (laughs) And if you're able to do that,
2: I would definitely do that. And then depending again upon um, the complexity of the show, what type of presence you'll be developing for your stakeholder client, uh, you could start planning nine months in advance, six months in advance, or 90 days in advance. But you, you do start early. The other thing that will dictate your planning is having a debrief with the stakeholders that attended. Uh, to get their feedback on what worked, what didn't work. That's all very, very important information. And a lot of times uh, people are very vocal about giving you suggestions and ideas from the ground. So that's very helpful. So it, it's anywhere from a year to 90 days. Um, but we, I'm sure Lauren has in her career, I pulled, I pulled stuff together in three weeks. So but that's mm-hmm. not the ideal. But, you know, uh, professionally speaking, it can be anywhere from 12 months as short as 90 days
0: your thoughts Lauren yeah. I'm going to inter- interrupt you but especially if you're thinking outside the booth
1: <laughs> if you're thinking outside the booth yes that takes that takes quite a bit more planning and quite a bit more stakeholders to make that happen because when you're thinking outside the booth um you also have customers typically involved in those types of scenarios um, and outside vendors and third parties so um really formulating i would say you need to do at least 6 months out kind of say a, hey just flagging this show here's some opportunities like let's let's kind of whittle this down and and determine what actually we want to do here and start to get our customers involved i would say when we get to the you know the brass tacks of the show which is your housing block and booth and those types of things communications probably 90 days out um is when you're gonna have the mind share within the company to, to start actually getting things in motion. Um, and then you're gonna start to see people press in probably 60 days out. Uh, we can lay our plans as 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 well as we can, as far out as we can, but we have to be realistic when you know our colleagues are gonna be able to meet weekly to discuss a trade show or work on marketing or promotional collateral. So you know, setting calendar invites, really being on top of it will help us when we have a compressed timeline where we need to be, you know, churning out different things, especially with, you know, thinking outside the booth. So 90 to 60 days is typically what I see in, you know, in reality.
0: Okay. Yeah. And the reason I bring that up is that my experience has been that if you, um, the KOLs that you might be involved in, let's say you're a small to medium sized company, but you still have some KOLs mm-hmm. you're involved in. They're also involved with the big companies, the companies that take mm-hmm. over the art museum in the city for a big gala event, you know, one yes. of those nights. Mm-hmm. So you and, and those KOLs are expected to be there. Maybe they're going to speak there. So you need to end morning sessions uh, like breakfasts and stuff before the trade show starts that you're going to try to have a breakfast and learn or a lunch and learn whatever but you, going back to Kimberly's part, point earlier, talking to the associations, you need to know the rules. <laughs> um, and then when it comes to your KOLs, you may need to book them up to six months early to get them available for a breakfast or a lunch or um, a cocktail hour or something that you're squeezing in between the big boys that are dominating the evenings with their events. So that's some advice that I would give people, especially when it comes to scheduling KOLs and, and, or if they're doing a presentation at your exhibit, you want these people Mm -hmm. early. And Um, I think
1: too, to kind of piggyback off of that is make sure that your sales team and sales leadership knows quite a bit in advance, even if they're not attending the shows where we're going to be, because it's never too early. Even if we don't have the pre-rudge list for your sales team to say, Hey, Dr. So-and-so Will you be at um, Trade Show X this year? Great, we're going to be there too. Let me write your name down, and I'll make sure that I send you an email with, you know, a link to sign up for a booth demo, you know, when when it becomes available. So, make sure that your sales team has the tools and the knowledge that they need to start generating excitement and awareness uh, for the shows you'll be attending.
0: That's a great point is to get the people in the field to help drive people to Mm -hmm. the exhibit. not just say, Oh, are you going doctor? And I'm going doctor. And that's, that's the most of the discussion. It should be, let's have you get by the booth. When can I count on you to be at the booth and um, get something set up? Any, any further thoughts on, on that, Kimberly? No,
2: I think those are all great.
0: Okay. Um, So anyway, the big mistake I see a lot of small companies and mid-sized is they don't start planning far enough in advance. Then when they want the people to speak at the booth or speak in a meeting or something, they're disappointed that they're not available. Um, there's a reason they're key opinion leaders. It's because other <laughs> people other people like them too. Um, okay. So you had you had mentioned this before, Kimberly. You know, It starts with a debrief of the previous show, and that should be done mm-hmm. immediately, and that's so true. Is to, and even if, even if you do a debriefing, you don't look at it for three months, at least it's all raw in your head and you can pull that document up later, right?
2: Absolutely. And you can uh, reference that feedback um, as you're evaluating other opportunities um, besides the booth. You know, what other opportunities are there for us as an organization? Uh, We talked about in our last conversation, rather than a virtual exhibit, look for a virtual marketplace. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's ideas, feedback that uh, individuals share in that that conversation. You can take that and you you may have an idea to, to post some good information or a demo or a video um, or but at the very least, a link to your company's website uh, on that site. So definitely um, just be looking for other opportunities to, besides just having a booth and generating traffic to the booth, what else can we do? Can we partner with a non-exhibiting organization who's going to be at the show that has our target audience? Can we sponsor a dinner? Can we sponsor a reception? Can we uh, do something virtually? So just think more broadly about other opportunities um, in partnering and and not necessarily with people who are showing up at the show the same way that you are.
0: Absolutely. That's very good. And one of the other things I was thinking about this, it's almost like we've talked about different phases of planning. So one is the debrief after the previous year's show. Then you go into a, a period where you have maybe your space committed, but then maybe in the six-month mark, you start thinking, do we, want, do we want speakers? Do Where are these speakers going to be? Do we need to reserve a restaurant now? Get that space now so mm-hmm. it doesn't get all tied up you know, 60 days out from a show or 90 days out um, by some other larger company, Um, get that stuff arranged for uh, now. So that'd be the second phase. And then the third phase might be closer in, which is where you're, you know, you've secured your, your blocks, your room blocks, you have started to assign sales reps that can attend and and so on and so forth. And um, who's going to be responsible for the booth, taking it up, taking it down and everything.
2: Yeah, about- you know the other thing too the other thing too is that depending upon what other type of activities uh you're going to be engaging in that will also drive your timeline for your plan your planning timeline so that's another factor like for example if you're sponsoring if you're a sponsor you're going to sponsor a lunch and learn for example well if you make that commitment 9 months out then that's going to push up a lot of your other uh deliverables in in getting prepared to be the sponsor of that particular
0: uh,
1: event.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. Um, were you going to add something to that, Lauren?
1: I was just saying, I, I agree. That's a okay. smart way to
0: do it. Now we'll take a short break to find out a little more detail from our sponsor. So what kind of company are you? Startup? Emerging growth? Mid-size? Large? Where do you go to stay on top of the changing medical device landscape? Well, consider Biomed Device Boston, taking place September 28th and 29th, where there are multiple learning opportunities with subject matter experts at the Center Stage, the Tech Theater, the Startup Masterclass in cooperation with MassMedic, and the Startup Stage. You will also find 200 exhibitors with the latest supply chain, digital health, cybersecurity, robotic, and OEM technologies, and more. You will learn about innovative technologies that could impact the way you make or market your products. And you will hear from industry leaders where innovation is taking us in the future. And what about your network? Biomed Device Boston is a great place to meet like-minded leaders and experts. There is a reason that the big companies like J&J, Boston Scientific, Cardinal Health, Siemens, and Medtronic send leaders to this meeting. For a free expo pass, use the promo code MDS22 at biomedboston.com. Now, back to the episode. Um, What about a site visit? Now, this is something that a lot of times, some meetings rotate through some cities, and so you sort of get to know them, and you can sort of plan around that to some extent from your previous knowledge. But what about for a small or medium-sized company, a, a site visit, um, especially if they're thinking about doing some outside-the-booth type of activity?
1: So mm-hmm. I personally think that site visits are very important with the outside-of-the-booth activity. Um, You know, I think that I stand for all event managers when I say I hate bad surprises or really any surprises on site. And so, especially if they're, if you're having a customer-facing event, the last thing that you want is for you or your managers or your sales team to be surprised by the way that something's set up, not know how to get to the location. You know, so I, I do think in order to set yourself, your company and your team up for success to have the best possible outcome for a customer-facing program like that, You absolutely need to run through a site visit and you need to have a report out at the end of the site visit that you share with your teammates, your manager, Mm -hmm. and that you keep for your own reference um, to make sure that the event is successful. And if it's, you know, across the country and you can't go, if you have a teammate that you trust enough that you think will do, you know, do their due diligence and you can give them a guide to follow Uh, in order to complete that site visit, then that works too. Um, You know, I think I'm very type A personality. I want to be the one seeing and doing and taking notes and maybe noticing things that I would not have noticed or that somebody else would not have noticed if they went. Mm -hmm. But I also think we have to be mindful about the budget. So, but again, totally 100% necessary.
0: You know, I'm thinking, I'm going to ask Kimberly for your opinion on that too, but I'm thinking about, and Kimberly, you've been, both of you have been to so many venues that you probably, mm-hmm. anything that's coming up, at least know the trade show venue to some extent. But mm-hmm. you look at a place like um, like San Diego's Convention Center. Mm-hmm. It is a mm-hmm. long convention center. What what hall are you in? Are you in Hall A if you're medium-sized or small, medium, A and B, or are you in Hall F? And that could really make a difference as to where you're going to pick a restaurant out because if you're yeah. in Hall F and you're, I forget those two big hotels over by Hall A, but do you really want people to walk that far, or should they just walk across those streets into that mm-hmm. that little uh, funky section of San Diego where there's plenty of restaurants? So, the a site visit can make the difference. <laughs> so, Kimberly, what what are your thoughts? Well,
2: a couple of things. I don't think San Diego appreciates what
0: you just said about <laughs> those restaurants. What San is
2: that? Diego to they'd be like. The Gaslight District, yeah, the Gaslight District, Gaslight, (laughs) Gaslamp District, okay, Gaslamp, Gaslamp, thank (laughs) you. And I, I know the San Diego, uh, the Convention Center, and the surrounding area really well. But I too am a big fan of site visits. If you can't, however, make a site visit uh, during the beginning of the pandemic and some of the more difficult times of the pandemic, a lot of venues created these wonderful virtual tours, and they were quite impressive, very thorough, and it gave you a good idea of what the venue looked like. Um, So if you don't have the budget to go, or if you don't have the budget to contract another professional locally to do the legwork for you, definitely consider a a virtual site visit. The other thing is that um, if you are, if, if, This isn't tied into um, a major conference. So let's say San Diego, for example. Sometimes you can arrange with the conference producers to be connected with the convention center staff or CVV, and Mm -hmm. they will give you a tour while you're there. I've done that before. I've done that before in Hawaii. We were having with a client I was working with years ago and we were having a number of ancillary major um, offsite events and we had to be able to go in and look at that convention center. And I had met the, the representatives from the Hawaii CBV at WEC that year, <laughs> Lauren. And they I called them and I said, hey, I'm coming. Can you help me? And they're like, absolutely. So taking, again, that goes back to I'm really big on relationships and partnerships yes. and working mm-hmm. with people and remembering people because they will afford you professional courtesies when you need it the most. The other thing about the hotels I'd like to add is, in using San Diego as an example, when you're meeting with the stakeholders in a show, they list all the preferred hotels. Do find out where the group would like to stay or get feedback from people in the know. That are part of the planning um, so that you are you are selecting the hotel or you make an attempt to place them at a hotel that they prefer. So in San Diego, I don't mind being at the Hilton Bayfront on the other end right across from Petco, but I booked a group down there and they were really unhappy. (laughs) <laughs> if they want it to be like right across the street from the main entrance. Because San Diego, the weather generally, because I'm based in Los Angeles, California. So the weather in San Diego is generally mild and, and, and nice. They did, that's not where they wanted to be. And so I got, I learned that lesson. It's like, oh, okay. I've booked so many groups there and they loved it down there. And I've booked a lot of people on the other end at the <laughs> Wardman; They loved it down there. But you've got to really be... Um, sensitive to who you're working with, because those little nuances like that, it just that's that's an unforced error, if you will. And then the last thing I would add is if you are um, unfamiliar with the venue, but you have other planners in your organization, on the planning team or in your network who've done meetings there, call them up hey, I have a group, we want to do something here, what was your experience? And that's some of the best intel you will get. That's that's almost better than a site visit, because yeah. people will tell you real-life stories, who they worked with, what the response was, and um, that can be very, very, value, uh, very valuable and really help you set your group up for a successful outing. That's,
0: that's a great, great uh, point there. Um, another point I'd make about a site visit is that if you think about uh, even a company, let's say, has a 20-foot inline booth, but they do plan on doing something outside the box, like maybe one or two events, maybe a users group meeting uh, that where users invite a friend to come along, which helps you know market the product, and or a meeting oriented toward prospects, you know. So five people, a 20-foot booth, maybe four or five nights in a hotel. The flights, the, the the investment they're going to make in being there to begin with is going to be probably somewhere in the neighborhood of thirty thousand dollars, thirty five thousand dollars by the time it's all said and done. Am, am, am I close, Lauren? You you looking I would at me say like at a,
1: least at least okay at least. <laughs> Lauren's looking at me
0: for listeners. Lauren's looking at me like I'm crazy. So let's say let's say it's, <laughs> no. let's, say it's <laughs> let's say it's thirty thirty five thousand dollars. What is a $1,500 site visit or a $2,000 site visit to make sure that that huge investment really gets value. It's nothing. It's nothing. And I
1: think especially like you said, if you're doing something that where you're having a user's meeting and they're inviting their colleagues to market your product, that is if that's their intro to your company and your brand and how you're going to be, you know, running your business and establishing trust, then that's invaluable, especially if that then results in you know a follow-up from sales and product and marketing that leads to a sale. So I think that when we're thinking big picture and down the line ROI, it's it really is. It's 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 a drop in the bucket for creating the right brand impression and, and recognition at these programs.
0: Okay. And one of the things that Kimberly has pointed out a couple of times, uh, both in the previous podcast and, and this one is relationship with the show producers is really important. Um, especially if, if you run into a problem and you need some help, which I have run into before and I did happen to know a producer. So I, I think that's, um, that's a very important thing to maintain, you know, always appreciate them. Even if they screw up and they screwed you over a little bit, you don't want to make them mad. <laughs> yeah. And Um, I think
1: too, uh, in addition to the show producers who, you know, I think it's like what we were talking about, you know, with your personal brand and with creating those really deep relationships is that I want to help you out and you want to help me out. So we're both, you know, we're both going towards the same goal. So we're going to be more flexible and understanding and have a better rapport with each other. And that's the place that you want to be in with those show producers, but also like Kimberly was saying, the, the visitors bureau, the convention center in the areas where you see a ton of trade shows, those folks can be your best friends too. They can, you know, Mm -hmm. make sure you have comped rooms, um, for site visits, you know, they'll show you all of the best spots to host users meetings or groups or, Mm -hmm. um, an elegant dinner. So, Make sure that you're utilizing those contacts. And then also, even hotel venue sourcing companies um, like Helms Briscoe, you know, that type of organization too, they can make sure that they're working with, you know, large name brand hotels on your behalf to negotiate the best rates, to get food and beverage minimums reduced, to get comp nights. So just know that there's a lot of resources for you as an industry event manager that don't cost money out of your pocket to partner with and to utilize. So, you know, there's a there's a Rolodex that you should be building for yourself. Excellent. Absolutely.
0: Then the next question I have are there new exhibit technologies people should be considering so when you do have an exhibit, you know, you can get the most out of it. Um what and what are some of those things? We we talked about a couple in the last podcast, we can repeat that again, but Let's talk about a few of these new technologies, Kimberly.
2: Well, I'm going to keep it simple a smartphone. (laughs) 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 It's a smartphone. Um, And a lot of your sales team, a lot of your stakeholders, people, everybody is a photographer, but some people are, are better than others. And you'd be surprised at how quickly. Uh, and how well people can shoot footage and, and, and craft it together. And it looks like it was done by a marketing firm. So identify who those people are on your team who will be attending, who enjoy doing that type of task and enlist them to, to help you. Um, because you can get some great uh, clips that you can post on Instagram. You can post on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Um, You know, just it's a smartphone. A smartphone device is a great tool to have in your booth because everybody Mm -hmm. will have one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What about having what about even for small booths? What about having your own Wi-Fi versus using the exhibit hall's Wi-Fi?
1: Yeah, I
2: think if you can afford it, I would say, yeah, you should budget
1: for that. Yeah. And I think too there are, there are the Wi-Fi tools that you can that you can get typically through your company's IT department, um, or even a cradle point with a network that you can bring in um, that is less expensive than trying to tap into the hotel's Wi-Fi or getting Wi-Fi through the show um, that you know you can hook your phones into, you can hook your displays into, and then also some you know some. People's devices—they're Wi-Fi dependent. Um, you know, their medical devices or medical capital or what have you. So, making sure that you are thinking about year-round opportunities for the Wi-Fi, the Mi-Fi, the cradle points, uh, rather than spending six thousand dollars in one show for for Wi-Fi is is a really smart investment. So. Um, if somebody gawks at that, just remind them that you got your six thousand dollar Wi-Fi bill from the last show, and I'm and I'm sure they'll see the, the value in a year-round tool.
0: That's a really yeah. good point. And a lot of smaller
2: there. shows, a, a lot of smaller shows, the Wi-Fi access is comp. It's it's I've seen that trend. A lot of the when you go and it's an eight by ten space and a tabletop uh, in exhibit hall, the Wi-Fi is complimentary. So Um, that's really important. And that's a, that's a tremendous cost saving that your stakeholders should be aware of that you you had that cost savings.
0: Yeah. The, a lot of the, even some of the big shows have complimentary Wi-Fi service. The only problem is, is its bandwidth is so poor sometimes and and unreliable in the exhibit (laughs) hall. And so that's why I was asking that question. I think, uh, Lauren, those are really good ideas. Um, and then we talked before about using the smartphone. What what did you call the um, lead retrieval technology, Lauren?
1: Yep. So that is universal. And I, I'm sorry, my toddler is like banging on my door right now. So
0: just <laughs> one second. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. I've kept, you kept it too long. To it out, right? we'll, try to, we'll try to wrap yeah, this I up. Yeah, you can edit this. Yeah. Um,
1: so I think my husband just retrieved him. Oh, okay. so um, so it's universal lead retrieval, and so basically it's you it can go on any smartphone. If you have an iPad in the booth, you can put it on kiosk mode for some, and it's just it's an app that everybody can use on their you know their cellular their their smartphone. It doesn't they don't need Wi-Fi, and it automatically can you know you'll have the same set of questions. You'll have the same criteria at every single show you won't be fumbling with you know a different uh device a different for uh technology every show and those can be integrated into your crm it can be integrated into your hubspot or Elicoa, whatever you use for post-show follow-up um, and it can really make a big difference and help you as an event manager and as a marketer show the roi for programs in real time um Because I think one thing that we all kind of feel the pain of as um, exhibitors, marketers, sales folks is that waiting for leads from these programs, you know, everyone wants them now. We want to follow up now. We want to strike while it's hot um, and having a universal lead retrieval will enable us to do that and empower us to do that. Um, And then finally, one other thing that that I've seen is that if you have just because you have a small booth doesn't mean that you can't have an exciting booth. Um, Mm -hmm. I've had a colleague who has gone to these really large programs, but they have a 10 by 10 booth, but they use um, a holographic dynamic image in their booth that's really eye catching and draws attention. And they have medical equipment in the booth and um, a large screen and they can they do physician discussions right there in their booth. And um, you know, you're not paying twenty thirty thousand dollars dollars for a booth space. You're able to spend some of those funds on a very smart, small footprint um, that is still very dynamic. It's tech forward and it's eye-catching.
0: When you say hologram, tell tell us more about that.
1: So so absolutely. So it's uh the exhibit house that I work with and one of their other clients, um, who again is a great friend of mine. They have fans that are mounted, so you can see my hands kind of with my background here. They're mounted to the top of the booth. And these fans, they spin very quickly. And they project an image that is dynamic and it moves and it has like puffs of smoke. And I mean, it looks like something that you would see in like a a Vegas production, uh, but it's in their 10 by 10 booth and it showcases their technology and their colors. And it's just so neat. And so that's why having a partner in an exhibit house that is forward thinking and wants the latest technology, you know, that they'll bring those kinds of opportunities to you. So again, it's it's you think about the cost, the production to to create the art for that. But then that's something that they can use at every single trade show, regardless of the size. If they have 10 feet of space, they can have that hologram. And that's, I mean, that's smart. That's a good upfront investment that's going to make a big difference in a small space.
0: Okay. Your thoughts, Kimberly? The new, new technologies. Yep. To consider.
1: <laughs> is it just the smartphone? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I said, I'm going to keep it simple.
1: <laughs> I'm over here talking about holograms and Vegas shows. All oh, right, No, that hologram. Yeah. She, that, one, that's good. I can't talk
0: that. <laughs> one, of the, one of the things I was going to mention, which we mentioned in the past was it goes to universal lead retrieval, which is sort of tied into what Lauren was just talking about was, um, I was at a small show where we used a QR code that our marketing person created mm-hmm. that we could that we could shoot with our smartphone camera and instantly a lead form came up and that so that became our universal device and it was linked was created by HubSpot so it went right into our CRM. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, so people could immediately you know begin following up on uh, leads. What doesn't work in exhibits that you think that people still cling to? Is there anything that doesn't work.
1: That's a great question. It I is. think I think that probably having, you know, hundreds and hundreds of paper copies of literature mm-hmm. doesn't quite work anymore. You know, okay. one thing that we've done that we've seen success in is having a booth copy of literature but also being mindful of our of our carbon footprint at these programs and having mm-hmm. a QR code that then leads to a tailored website or a landing page that we've created that includes literature and videos and, and um, you know, product information that is very impactful or meaningful to that specific audience. Um, so they're not having to wade through our entire website. It's, you know, thank you, trade show attendees from X trade show, add your name and your email here to access all of our trade show content. Um, and so we've seen not only are you, you know, you're not sending hundreds and hundreds of printed copies that people are going to throw away, but you're also able to gate the information, see where people are clicking, see what interests folks, and then take the people who log into that and put them into your CRM as, as lead follow up. And you can say, hey, I see that you logged into our, you know, our splash page for this trade show. Did you find that impactful? What can we do for next steps?
0: Uh, good idea. Your thoughts on what doesn't work, Kimberly?
2: Anything that's not appropriate for your target audience. And by that, I mean, um, be real mindful of the chotskys that you give away. Are people really into chotskys at this particular show? And, um, you know, think that through. And um, the type of engagement that you have in the booth. Is it something that will catch someone's attention that they want to spend a few minutes with you chatting? Uh, It's kind of like the the trend in planning meetings and virtual meet with a virtual component, shorter, more compelling content is the way to keep people engaged. And so take that strategy with your booth, like make sure it's shorter, it's compelling, it'll draw people in and it's really appropriate for that audience. So just because you've done it for several years and people loved it, is it still relevant? Um, mm-hmm. because you don't want to be shipping these items back and forth. We need to all be mindful of our carbon footprint. Um, and I agree with Lauren about the, you know, lots of handouts and things. Uh, the QR code is great. Videos that are eye-catching, your, your, your graphic designs, you know, not a lot of verbiage where people have to stop and read a lot of lines. So anything that's just not appropriate or relevant For the audience that will be attending that particular show and for this time, the time that we're
0: in. Right. Yeah. That's very good. And you mentioned videos. Um, One thing that I know people really hate is to go to a trade show and to try to organize like a 40, 50 inch screen, talking about expensive, just costs an arm and a leg. But one thing that I've seen done lately by a couple um, very creative people is you can buy these. Arms like from Ergotron, for example, like these computer arms where people have two or three screens on the desk and they have these arms that are holding the screens. Some of those arms extend quite a bit vertically. And so you could buy one of these arms, you attach it to the six foot draped table that you have at your booth if you're a small company, and there's a Visa mount on that arm, and you can mount a 30 plus inch screen on that and it'll hold it. The screens are really light and it's cheaper to buy a screen in town and give it to somebody for free than it is to rent it and give it to one of the workers, Mm -hmm. but you know, you can actually probably put it in a suitcase and take it home with you if you wanted. But some of the screens are only a couple hundred bucks and tie your computer into it. Now you have something that's maybe head height that people can see it's okay. It's not a 50 inch screen, but it's still something for a small exhibit that gets attention that does some communication and doesn't cost you, you know, three or $4,000.
1: Definitely. That's a great point. And I think that's a wonderful takeaway for tabletop exhibits. Yeah. I would not have, you know, thought about that necessarily.
0: Yeah, we're going to, in fact, uh, one of my clients and I, we're going to be doing that at a show here soon. Um, I, we've really covered a lot about planning, thinking forward, thinking about uh, 2023, um, anything that I've missed?
1: Oh, gosh. I I know that, you know, whenever we get together, I feel like we're just so rapid fire. And I'm sure we covered five things when we previously talked that we forgot to talk about here or five things new here that we didn't talk about before. So, you know, I think that the event planning community um, and marketing community is just a really passionate community about what we do, both on the industry and the association side. And I think that also we are a very resilient group of people and we've proven that we can adapt. And so, you know, just continuing to foster that attitude of growth and adaptation and, you know, sharing with your stakeholders, whether they're internal or clients, you know, that we are kind of in a a new age of events and to, to kind of go along this ride with us and know that we're learning and we're adapting and we're we're taking new things and we're putting them into practice, I think is important. So um, there's a lot of really great communities for, for, you know, medical professionals, tad yours being one of them. So I would just encourage anybody who's listening to this podcast to get involved, to never stop learning and to, you know, to reach out because you know, Kimberly being in my network, Teddy being in my network, you guys are great resources. And I feel like I'm, you know constantly bouncing ideas off of folks and learning things that I would have never thought of before. So there is even things from planning this podcast and talking with you guys over the last couple of weeks that I'm going to take back to um, to my company and, and pitch these ideas because you know, I certainly would not have come up with them. So thank you for the opportunity.
0: Oh, well, you're welcome. What do you think, Kimberly? We missed anything? I, or? Think,
1: I think it's just
2: important for the listeners who are planning uh, trade shows and events and their organization's presence is to be fearless and um, be fearless and be open to where we are. And the lessons that we've learned, um, stay connected to good people, good resources, good organizations, stay informed, keep learning, continue to educate yourself, reach out to others who may be engaged in something that you're, you're not engaged in, but maybe in the future. And then just stay encouraged. Um, the industry will come back. Um, But I don't know what that's going to look like. And I think that we're setting ourselves up for disappointment if we're looking for a pre-pandemic, because I think that the pandemic, really a global pandemic, really eradicated the normal. So we all have to stay fearless and be open to where we are now and how we can adopt and have productive and fruitful relationships and, and produce really good events and trade shows. So that that's what I would like to just stress to the listeners today.
0: Thank you very much. The, and the last thing I would stress is, and uh, we've we've hinted at it in some of the things we've talked about, is make sure you have strategies to drive people to the exhibit with your marketing people and with your field salespeople, which we did we did hint at earlier. Lauren, Kimberly, thank you very much for um, going through these two episodes with me. We've shared a lot of information, and I think the listeners will benefit from it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah,
1: this has been a great
0: opportunity. Yes, and that Lauren, you can go take care of that toddler. Oh my gosh! (laughs) Holograms. I haven't seen one yet at a trade show, but I just researched it quickly and have included a couple links in the show notes that may give you an idea as to what they're all about. It's actually pretty amazing. I can definitely see how they would add value in the messaging of medical devices, and get people's attention. Granted, this will not make up for good strategies and tactics to drive people to your exhibits and events in the first place. What else is not working? Virtual exhibits, at least not now with current technology. We discussed that in the last episode. I just wanted to reinforce that again. I hope you found several pearls in the last two episodes to help with your trade show and event planning. Thanks for spending time with Kimberly, Lauren, and me today. Now go win your week.